I've been feeling weirdly paralyzed over here and really unsure about what to talk about next. And I'm not 100% sure where that is coming from. But part of that is this feeling I have that the conversation I had with Kent McCarter the other week opened up this huge can of worms around money and the structure of poetry publishing in Australia. It's a conversation I'm really, really excited to have. But if you're a regular listener to this show, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you know that I often feel ill-equipped, out of my depth. I know this often doesn't reflect reality, but I just had to take a moment there and think about what is it that I have started here and uh, how do I want to address it? I think the first thing I want to say is, and I think that Kent would absolutely agree with this, this is only one person's view on publishing in Australia. There are many, many different sides to this conversation, many, many different ways of looking at it. And one of the angles that I don't think we spoke about enough or maybe at all in that conversation is how do poets get their money? We talked about how books get funded. We talked about this idea of poets perhaps needing to contribute more to the publishing ecosystem by buying more books. But something that has always fascinated and obsessed me as somebody who tries to write poetry sometimes is where do we find the money to get the freedom and time to actually do that work? I feel like there's a lot more to say here and I really want to open the conversation up to you guys as listeners. But for now, I I really want to zero in on this question of where poets get the money that they need to actually sit down and write for a sustained period because that can be expensive. One of the sanest people in Australian poetry, I think, is the poet Bonnie Cassidy. Bonnie's someone I feel really lucky to count as a friend and I went back to her writing to try to get my head right and um, understand how to dive into this conversation. Way back in 2014... Bonnie wrote a couple of articles for The Conversation and I went back to those and reread them because I think that they provide a really useful snapshot. The first article she wrote was simply titled 2014 is a rich and radical time in Australian poetry and she goes through all the milestones of things that happened that year. We had Fiona Hiles' Novelties come out, fucking incredible book out from Hunter Publishers. Really, really amazing. Um, We had Jess Wilkinson's uh, poem Arrival Platform Hamlet win the Peter Porter. I'll never forget watching Jess perform that poem in readings. Completely blown away. And Bonnie also talks about Liam Fernie's collection Boom, which she says includes a wonderful sense of the Australian Gothic. So she kind of sketches out these these milestones of the year and then she goes on to say while this high quality of work is being produced by our poets it's not all bounty in the current Australian poetry landscape of course competition for unpredictable funding means that little magazines may become established 
but not necessarily sustainable. Online publishing without sales income relies heavily on subsidization. Poets will always have to buy copies of their own books to help with distribution and award entries, and poets tend to accept that publication frequently goes unpaid. But this seems a small price, and maybe even a necessary one, for the presently robust poetry culture. So obviously I'm, I'm quoting Bonnie from many, many years ago there. I don't know what she would think about that now, if she would agree with every part of it. But it was interesting to see that just a couple of months later, Bonnie published a follow-up article in the conversation as well. And I wonder if it was because of that last statement around these things that poets need to do to sustain Australian poetry publishing seeming a small price to pay. She followed up with a piece which was called Profit is Rare, but Poetry's Weird Blooms Persist. She sort of zooms out and talks about some of the other elements that made up the Australian poetry landscape at that time. So Gig Ryan was still poetry editor for The Saturday Age. Jaya Savage was selecting poems for The Australian, which he is still doing. We've lost one or two of the publishers and journals that Bonnie mentions in this article. We've gained others. But I think it's still a relatively accurate picture that she paints. And then Bonnie ends with this. The financial model for Australian poetry publishing is rich and rare. Personal investment and in-kind support is its core. Government arts funding is a significant enabler. And income from sales, subscriptions and patronage helps to sustain essential costs, but seldom equals profit. A vulnerable yet persistent ecology, its weird blooms exceed the edifices of demand, utility, capital and state. I feel like we could talk about almost any part of those few sentences for at least an hour at a time, but I'm going to zero in on just one part where Bonnie says government arts funding is a significant enabler. And I want to talk about that because, as you may know, even if you are as avoidant of the news as I try to be, you probably heard that in, what is it, less than a month, just over a month, we're going to choose a new prime minister. I'm excited. I bet you're excited too. <laughs> I'm going to maybe get into the political side of things a little bit more directly in a week or so and think about whether the way we vote can, could, should have anything to do with how supported we are as poets. But as I say, I want to, I want to zero right in on this idea of government arts funding and I want to talk specifically about one body in particular – if we're talking about government arts funding, especially at a, a federal level, we're talking about one thing. We're talking about the Australia Council. Bell out of order. Please knock. Well, that's more like it. Now, straight your business. We want to see the wizard. The wizard? But nobody can see the great Oz. Nobody's ever seen the great Oz. Even I've never seen him. Well, then how do you know there is one? Because he's... I don't... You're wasting my time. 
Yesterday, Tom and I went out to Warrandyte and ended up in this tiny little bookshop, little secondhand bookstore, pretty much my, my favorite thing to do. And I was hunting through their poetry section and found this very strange little pamphlet called Four Australian Poets, which appears to have been put together by Lynn Tranter. And looking at the back of this this tiny little book it's only what is it here 25 pages it says that the booklet was assisted by the literature board of the australia council and the cultural exchanges section of the department of foreign affairs so i i had a little look at the preface here which lynn has written herself and it's a it's a really funny little thing it, it seems to be some kind of promotional material for a, a tour that's coming up. So she says, On my previous visit to America last year, I was encouraged by the interest that Americans were showing in Australia, particularly in our visual art and our movies. But people didn't seem to know a great deal about our poetry. I felt it was time to bring some of the best of our poets to the States, and give America a chance to see and hear what was happening on the other side of the Pacific. I'm pleased to say that our Australia Council's Literature Board, an organisation rather like your NEA, has agreed to support this tour generously, and our Department of Foreign Affairs has also been very helpful. I cannot find a date on this anywhere at all. <laughs> but the four poets in question are Jeff Page... Dorothy Hewitt, Pio, and John Scott. And the photos of these four, they're all looking uh, quite young and vital. So I think, I think this is, God, maybe, yeah, maybe late 60s, early 70s. Anyway, the point being that at around that time, Oscar was funding a, a tour to America for four Australian poets. Maybe maybe not the entire tour, maybe it was like partially self-funded. But um I don't know, this this document seems incredible to me. I'm very lucky to have been given a whole bunch of books that were entered into the Stella Prize this year. Not because I have anything to do with the Stella Prize at all. Uh, I just happened to know someone who knows someone and it's really interesting to look at this little pamphlet, this four Australian poets thing, and contrast that level of funding, that sort of investment up against the information about how all these books came together. So there's there's 14 odd books here, and I went through them and had a little bit of a look as to which of them had that information that has to be included if it has been, if the writing of the book has been supported by an Australia Council grant. Um, most of them had no financial support at all. One of them was supported by a Creative Victoria COVID grant. Two were crowdfunded. And four of them have the Australia Council stamp in the front there. And that could mean a whole bunch of things. It could mean that the poet was given some time away from their usual work to go and write the manuscript. It could also mean that the publication of the book itself was partially funded by the Australia Council. So we don't actually know 
we don't know everything about how the Australia Council supported the work. We just know that there was there was some kind of money going to either the poet or the publisher. All of which to say, the Australia Council, which has been around since the, the late 60s, um, is still very, very essential to us as poets. If you want to get financial support that doesn't involve drawing on your own savings, you either need to go to your state-based arts organisation or you go to the Australia Council, pretty much. There are, there are a few other options out there. Those are the two main options. One of the important things to note here, though, is that there is no literature board anymore. There aren't any boards at OSCO anymore. Um, if you do apply, your application gets reviewed by a peer assessor. I went through the list of the literature peers and saw that it's a mix of people who are fiction writers, children's book writers, publishers. There's the CEO of the Australian Society of Authors is on there. Uh, and there's one poet as well. I think that's worth knowing. I think that's pretty significant. It reminds me of something uh, a really dear friend in this world of trying to get grants and trying to get funding um, said to me once, she said, if you're going to apply as a poet, you not only have to make the case for your work, you kind of have to make the case for poetry. Because remember, it's, it's literature peers who you are sending your application to. No literature board, but literature peers. They may not, even though they are people who care about words and who have decided to take on this, what sounds like a mammoth task of reviewing all these applications every year, um, they may not necessarily care about poetry. So part of your job is to outline to them why poetry matters. Tell me when it's over. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> I want to go home. I am Oz, the great and powerful. Who are you? Who are you? Over the weekend, I also watched a video of a panel which was put together by an organisation called Fund the Arts. More on those guys later. Um, and the panel was with the author Emily Bitto, the Australian Book Review's editor Peter Rose, and a literary agent called Claire Forster. I'll link to the whole panel video. The sound is not amazing. I had to get my best headphones out to really hear what they were saying, but there were some really shocking and, um, yes, yeah, sobering takeaways from what they were saying. A lot of this, a lot of the stuff in there, we we already know. For many people, the way into creative writing of any kind is a PhD scholarship, which means you get a couple of years of partially funded time to um, to write something. One of the things that really stood out to me that Peter Rose said um, was that 30 years ago, the Australia Council had 
a budget for literature of $5 million. Now, it has a budget for literature of $5 million. It has been a little higher than that, I found out, and I think it has also been lower. Um, but one of the things Peter says in this video is this should be known, it should be talked about, and he says it should be pilloried. <laughs> um, yeah, he also says that the Australian Book Review spends about a month a year on its funding applications. If that wasn't depressing enough, <laughs> um, Emily Bitto, who was recently a peer assessor, talks about how disheartening it was to do that work. And it's interesting when you look at all the bios of the assessors, they they have this little section that's like, what's, what's the advice that you would give somebody thinking about doing this work? And they all say, it's a huge time commitment. It takes up all of your time. <laughs> so, you know, really enticing work. Um, yeah, but Emily said that a lot of the people whose applications she was reading were applying to do their second or their third book. So that lines up with what we know about people using the, the PhD time to write that first book. And, but then you get out of the PhD system and maybe you're working as an academic, maybe you've gone on to, to other work, but you've probably got something like a full-time workload. And so you're coming to Australia Council saying, I, I want to write another book. I want to write my second book, my third book, but I can't get time away from work unless you pay me. And here's the, here's the real killer. And I, I mean, I feel like this episode is just like deadly depressing. <laughs> I'm hoping that I'll be able to get to a point where it's useful. Um, and I think, look, I think knowing this is useful, even if it is depressing. So Emily said that she she read 80 applications and that was only about half of what they'd received. So 160 applications for that round. And she was told that out of that pool, around nine of those applications would get funding. So that's around 5%. Poetry, remember, is somewhere within that percentage. So those 5% those of people who are going to get funding There'll be fiction writers, children's book writers, non-fiction writers, and, and poets as well. We know that poets will get funded because we, you know, if you go to your bookshelf and, and you open up a bunch of books, you'll find that Australia Council stamp in there. So we're not saying that this never happens. The question that comes to my mind is, is a less than 5% success rate really worth the time. Again, Peter Rose is saying that ABR spends a month on their applications. I've applied for three OSCO grants on behalf of an organization. Two of those were successful, so I know it's not impossible. And off my own bat, I've applied twice for two different projects. One of one of those projects was this podcast. <laughs> I really wanted to get some money so I could go to like Central Australia and like, you know, Western Australia and talk to people who um, who are a little bit like less um, accessible to me where I am here in Melbourne. But both of those um, applications failed, which is fine. Like I'm not I'm not at all 
worried about that. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad I was a little bit um, terrified about the whole acquittal process and about proving to Australia Council that I spent that money wisely and properly and exactly how I said I was going to. Like, uh, in, in a weird way to me, it felt a little bit like it might have been a curse if I actually got funding. But, um, yeah, look, I can't say anything for sure about how to win a grant. I can't say anything about whether that $5 million budget is ever going to go back up again, even a little bit. Uh, One of the more scary things that I found out while researching this episode was this statistic of government expenditure on the cultural sector as a percentage of GDP. Australia spends 0.9%. The top country was Iceland. They spend 3%. The bottom was the United States somewhere well below 0.5%. I think it's 0.25%. But in all of this, in all of this, the Australia Council wants us to know that they are thinking of us. And clearly, it's not their fault. They've only got $5 million to play with. I found this note on the website from the CEO, Adrian Collette, which was published a little bit earlier this year, just talking about, you know, obviously how bad things have been. Performers and cultural organizations have endured so much upheaval already throughout this pandemic. And the note says, throughout these challenges, the Australia Council's approach has been to provide as much certainty as we can to support our artists and organizations survive the crisis and plan for the future. While providing as much funding certainty as possible, we have also supported artists and organizations managed through the pandemic. I don't know what's happening with the grammar here. Through the pandemic, through many hundreds of variations to individual grant agreements. Okay. Um, the, the point is that they're, they're saying we're, we're, we are trying. We're trying to help you. And obviously they're, they're thinking about, not obviously not just writers, they're thinking about performance artists, visual artists, theater makers, First Nations artists, they're, t- they're thinking about a huge community of people. I do not envy them this work, and I do not have any beef with anyone in particular on the Australia Council. I don't know anyone uh, who has anything to do with the Australia Council. As far as I know, none of them are listening. If they are, then I, I very much hope to hear from them. Because here's, here's the thing, here's the the thing that Australia Council could actually do to help artists, it won't cost them much money. And this is an area where, unlike most other things I talk about on this podcast, I have total confidence. Because the work that I actually do, me personally, Alice Allen, the work that I do to make money, the money that enables me to sit around on a Monday morning and record podcasts and occasionally write poems. What I do is um, I work on websites, I work on uh, big government reports, and I work on um, translating the words of bureaucracy into something like human English. And so to the Australia Council... Again, I have nothing against any individual working there, and I'm sure they're all doing their very best. But if you really care about artists, 
and you really want to support us and you really want to give us something that would that would help within the funding constraints that you have you have got to make the application process much much easier because at the moment you are shutting out huge numbers of people who do not have the time the language skills or the ability to write in a way that is going to get them to the other side of that application process I am an overeducated fuckwit and it took me I, I honestly don't even know. I couldn't tell you how many hours I spent on these bloody applications. <laughs> um, look, here's what it is. Say you can find your way to the open grants section of the website. Okay, say you can do that much. And say you can find your way to the grant that's actually right for you. In the case, if you are a poet, you probably want what's called an arts projects for individuals and groups and at the moment they've just closed a funding round the next one is going to close on Tuesday the 6th of September for any project that's going to start after the 1st of December 2022 okay so say you've you've figured all that out and if you have gotten that far then honestly congratulations you're doing pretty bloody well then you have to actually apply and remember Australian Book Review, spent a month on this. To Ozco's credit, there is an easy English how to apply PDF that you can read. This is once you get to the actual application page. It's 21 pages long, but that's followed by almost 2,000 words of not easy English on eligibility, assessment criteria, the assessment panel that you need to choose. You've got to decide who's going to assess your work and the application form itself. Okay, so you've You've looked at all that. If you haven't yet had a panic attack, you um, then you get to the actual application page. You have to create an account, wait up to two business days for your account to be created. From memory, when I did this, somebody rang me and sort of made sure that I was a real person. And then you can start your application. <laughs> then, then you have the pleasure of answering questions like, Tell us about your project, outlining what you want to do, the creative rationale, the activity involved, and the key steps you will undertake to deliver this in no more than 5,600 characters. And then questions like, in no more than 2,400 characters, tell us how your project meets the outcome you have selected above. Outline your artistic practice as relevant to this application, focusing on career highlights and key achievements in no more than 2,400 characters. Oh my god. Okay, so so you've done all that. So you've you've you have massaged your um, ideas and your goals, and the fact that all all you really want is just some money so that you can stop working, so that you can write some poems. Okay, you've you've massaged all that into two thousand four hundred and or five thousand six hundred characters. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You've done all that. Um, people tell you the secret is call the office call the people at Elsco and talk to them so that you know that you are um, pitching to the right assessment panel and that you 
um, are saying the right things in your application. And I, when I applied, I did do this. You know, you get on the phone and you have a lovely chat with a very friendly person who is, again, just doing God's work. Um, and they talk to you about, okay, it sounds like that you want an individual individual and groups grant and you probably want the literature board, sorry, the, the literature um, peer assessors. And yeah, sounds like your project sounds great. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Sounds like a really great project. And you get off the phone and you realize that you still don't know the answer to the one question that you actually need an answer to, which is, is this worth my time? Should I actually apply? Uh, and you, Zion. <laughs> If that statistic of about a 5% success rate is correct, which it may not be, it may be a huge exaggeration, I hope it is, but if it's something in that ballpark, that means it's somewhere around 95% of the time, what they, what they really need to say to you is, this is really hard. Not many people get these grants. Here are the things we're actually looking for. If you can't do those things, you should probably not spend two to three weeks on this application. So here's what I'm saying. Five million bucks is nothing. It doesn't really matter whether we have ScoMo or DJ Albo in power. It's probably not going to get um, any higher than that for quite a while. I know this like sounds really defeatist, but I, I think that's probably true. Um, so... Australia Council, if you if you can't give us the money, maybe you could give us the time. And the way to do that would be to be straight about how many applications you actually receive, what the acceptance rate is. Maybe make the website a little bit more simple. I just thought if I if I had a Squarespace um, deal here, this would be just such a perfect place to drop it. But the fact is, Squarespace is really fucking complicated and hard to use. <laughs> It's a totally terrible choice and no one should use it. There's my Squarespace ad. So yeah, simplify your website. Simplify the application process for the love of God, guys. I mean, it doesn't, surely it doesn't have to be that hard. Even, even if, okay, if you can't do any of those things, just let us see the application form for the whole year because at the moment, if you want to apply for that September one, it says that it's closed. So you can't see those questions. You can't start work on it now. You can only start work on it when it's open. That, that just seems ludicrous to me. I mean, you know, what if you only have 20 minutes of quiet time a week? Maybe you want to be thinking about how am I going to answer this question in 5,600 characters? I mean, of course, you don't want to be thinking about that, but you have to because you need the money so you can get the time so you can write the poems. So you want to know what those questions are. 
oh boy, <laughs> just like really a lot angrier about this than I realized. I mean, this is the thing though, like this is what I do for work. And and so I, I feel really passionate about it. I really feel um, like things being written in plain English is a, is like, it's about equity and not using information as a, as a tool to, to exclude people and wield power over people. Like it's, I know that that's not what they mean to do. Um, I know that this stuff gets written by committee because I've worked with those committees and I understand that half the time it's because, you know, Chris from accounting really needs his sentence in here, but then Janet from the quality assurance division needs her sentence over here. And like, I get it, but um, this is this is a thing that, that could actually be in the Australia Council's power to change. Forget about Chris, forget about Janet, just write it simply. Okay, so to, to conclude, oh my God, 43 minutes. To conclude... <laughs> I would really love to hear from you. Um, I'm certain that I have left gaps in here. I always do that. Um, I would really love to hear what are the things I have left out. I'd love to know about your own experiences applying for grants, whether it be at Australia Council or not. Are you some kind of grant magician who can tell us what you actually need to do to, to make this happen? Do you take the view that we should give up on all this bureaucracy and and just go the crowdfunding option? Should we all just get corporate jobs? Um, please do get in touch. You can write to me at poetrysayspod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at poetry underscore says. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to share what you have to say anonymously <laughs> if you feel like you need to. Um, but yeah, I think if we are going to talk about money, I don't think we really need to be afraid to talk about this stuff. I think um, at the end of the day, people are operating in a really flawed system. Probably everybody is doing their best, but it's... Us has spoken! Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I yes. don't believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug! Yeah. Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I, I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard. <laughs>